The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Corbin Young has joined Rotowire, and we're going to join. He's going to join us now on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We'll get his take on what he does, uh, where you can find his work, and of course, this upcoming 2022 season. That and a whole lot more here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by WinBet. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Sports uh, Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here. As always, our podcast is brought to you by the good folks from WinBet. My co-host today is uh, Corbin Young. You can catch him now on Rotowire. Right now, he's doing a lot of the stuff that you might might. It's not as byline stuff, but we'll get to that more in the in the near future. But he's doing a lot of outlooks and player news for us. And you can find him on Fantrax. You can find him at Fancy Data. You can find him at RotoViz. Corbin, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so trying to figure out what all I'm doing, but just yeah, glad yeah. to be working with you guys and uh, yeah, doing some player outlooks, maybe some news updates. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. And Corbin, I'm uh, you, you and I played together in TGFBI last year. Uh, you were winning most of the year, I think. Uh, it came down to the wire, I think you finished second. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was it came down to Logan Webb's last start. It's weird oh, how man. you remember these things, right? Of but, course, you always I, remember the ones you barely lose. You don't yeah. remember the things that, that, that push you over the top. Now, did he have a good start against you, or did he have a, a bad start on your roster? So I, I, I think I added him in the middle of the season, and then he had an injury, and then I cut him because I was like, well, you know. Oh, no. And then, yeah. but no, um, I think it's Joel Lowry from Prospects Live had him. Yeah, he had him on on his roster, and then there was like that last start, and it just he just like pitched well, and I was like, well, you know, I knew it came down to like. Would Logan Webb pitch well or not? And he definitely right. did. So, you know, that's how it goes. Last year, I had a league where it came down to Carlos Estevez pitching against the uh, Diamondbacks. Is I think it was a like a one-run game in the ninth inning. You could he could have gotten the win or the or if he would have gotten the save, I would have cashed in the main event. If he would have given up one run, a tie, and then they rallied to get the win, I would have cashed. There's a lot of things that could have gone right, basically. Said he gave up a walk-off homer. So, uh, yeah, I won't be drafting Carlos Estevez this year. You you know, and you always remember certain things like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know it's uh, and I, you know, I'm 
I will talk about this later, but I'm fairly new to kind of this rotisserie style, like larger leagues. So yeah, I, I kind of got thrown off when like, you know, looking at my team and I'm like, I got some good players. And then it was like, well, this player didn't pitch or this player didn't play in the last week or two. And I was like, I kind of, yeah. so that's something I need to hone in this year, I think. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing, Cate you know, type of game you play matters a lot. You know, I, rotisserie style is what I grew up with uh, in auction leagues actually too. But you know, the, the whole big pool contest thing, you start with the NFBC and I've jumped into TGFBI and Raslam too. That's a different beast. You, you draft a different way. Uh, you roster a different way. You have to think about not just winning your league, but also trying to compete in the overall. Um, and I think that's one important thing when we're talking about types of leagues we're playing. And I know there's a big referendum on Twitter today about uh, people are paying attention to labor and tout. You got to realize people play that way a little bit. They don't necessarily have to have balance. You can have a league where you have trades. You can have a league where, you know, lots of it, it's a standalone league. It's a lot different than having one with an overall component. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I barely, yeah, I, I just kind of started with 15. I think last year might have been the first time that I've ever done a 15-team league. And so it was like a lot of like talking to one of my buddies like, hey, what what, what am I doing here? What, what should yeah. I be doing? Seems what like should I be, not be doing? <laughs> seems like you adjusted pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's like once you kind of know the player pool, you know, but there's so many players in it. And so I think it's just like picking up some base strategies. Like, uh, you know, I just talked to uh, Dave Swan, who writes for Pitcherless and Roto Baller. But yeah, he's one of my buddies. And I kind of just, you know, pick his ear and just like, hey, like, what, what am I, what, what should I be doing here? You know, and then so, you know, once you kind of get a rough idea, you know, just kind of making sure you don't, uh, you know, continue to roll out Luis Castillo or something <laughs> or like, you know, just kind of oh, managing man. your roster. But absolutely. So, what did what type of leagues did you start up in head to head or points style leagues or yeah so i've only been playing fantasy baseball probably the last two to three years like i say seriously meaning like before that i only played like one random espn league in like 2012 but mm -hmm. it's just kind of harder i think um you know just kind of the group of friends that i have it's just like we all love baseball but it's just harder it's just, we just never you know put together a fantasy baseball league i think there's just some components of it that like, you know, it's just different, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. fantasy football obviously draws you in, in terms of head to head matchups, points based, uh, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I've only kind of been playing more seriously since like 2018, 2019. And it started just like a bunch of buddies and some head to head, you know, categories league, you know, with right. daily moves. And so it's just like different, different stuff, but you know, you kind of get used to whatever you adjust to the league type, you know, but Right. Well, and the funny thing is I was talking to Todd Zola the other day and he was saying, uh, according, at least according to ESPN, because he does some writing for them as well, uh, that 70 percent of the leagues out there are head to head of some for a format there. You know, old school fantasy baseball players like me, you know, we do categories like TGFBI. We've done that all our life. I've, I barely play in head to head. I barely play points ever. Uh, and I think a lot of the content is geared towards the older style of playing, but it's, it's not necessarily geared towards the masses, which is, I, I, it's interesting. I think we could probably optimize better our content in ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think the head to head and at least the category based ones kind of wrote a kind of align a little bit because we're dealing with the categories. Uh, but yeah, no, it adds a, a different, different beast to it. Like I, I think I've only played in this one 
head-to-head categories league with some home league friends and then it's like yeah i mean you think you're you, it's just like fantasy football right you get to the playoffs you're like man my my squad is stacked and then, and yeah. then you lose like six to four in a category or whatever you know or right you have a rough week and you're like well i'm out and it's like that's just kind of the end of the road but um yeah it does keep, kind of keep you more engaged on a day-to-day basis right mm-hmm. you're like you know making some pickups streaming guys uh you know or pulling players out of your lineup you know if they're sitting or whatever so it does kind of change it a little it does require a lot more attention right you know i and everybody's talked about this you know daily move leagues requires a lot of attention because paying attention to every little detail you know trying to get an edge yeah um but you know same with weekly you know you're like i i remember studying a lot of you know using the rotowire like starting pitcher grid and all that stuff you're, you're studying a lot of the same thing for weekly lineups too right so it's just sure. kind of a different mindset but but yeah that is interesting i didn't realize that many were head-to-head but yeah and I don't know if they're and I think some are head to head points, some are head to head category. I'm not sure what the breakdown is between those two, but head to head points is super popular. And of course, and like you mentioned, it ports over from football very well. And more people play fantasy football than fantasy baseball. It makes sense. This is their introduction to fantasy baseball. And it's addicting to play every day. I mean, with the advent of daily DFS, obviously a lot of people like the the immediate gratification of that. And and Head-to-head is an extension of that as well. I mean, I imagine some of the explosive growth in head-to-head is because of that. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And I'm glad. Hey, it's more more ways for people to consume our content. We just have to serve that better. Yeah, for sure. But uh, anyways, a couple of things. Uh, You are also a teacher, uh, and that's a huge demand on your time. I'm lucky that I've been able to turn this into a phony phony baloney career for a really long time. But... um, how do you manage all your teams and still do well in your, in your day job? Yeah. I, you know, I'll say day job definitely comes first, you know, like yep. uh, I, you know, I, I don't really do any of this, you know, fantasy. I mean, like look at a lineup or something, but I don't really do any of this fantasy stuff during the workday if I can avoid it um, outside of this time when I'm on a break or something, you know, but yeah. um, you know, I, I try to really, that's, you know, just like with anything, right. You're just kind of like thinking about like other priorities, like in terms of family, home life, that kind of thing. And then, yeah, this, uh, you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at, you know, I, I, it's kind of my first passion is the, is the job, right. Is the teaching special ed, working to people with disabilities. Um, and then the sports stuff is just, you know, I try to remind myself it's like right now it's just a hobby, you know, sure. It's a hobby that I can create content with, but it, once it crosses over, it's just kind of having that balance. You know, I, I think, just like with anything, I used to think like, I got to find balance. I got to find balance. But, you know, at this point, I don't think there really is any balance, right? It's just a shifting of priorities, right? Like sometimes right. you focus time here, you focus time there. So usually a lot of late nights, usually a lot of weekend, you know, work with the fantasy stuff, uh, especially doing two sports, especially there's like no, no breaks, you know, you kind of got to right. schedule in your breaks with the, the sports kind of overlapping off season well, uh, in season stuff, but yeah. Yeah. And especially now that the season, the sports are becoming year round pursuits. I mean, you can do a fancy football draft right now. No problem. And that never used to be the case. You know, I mean, I'm sure there were cases, but it was certainly not as widespread as it is now, but you, there are people that do only football because that's all they have time for. Uh, and I I'm impressed. I mean, you know, and the level of detail that you, how granular you can really get is really impressive, but I need to have a little balance between sports, at least. Uh, you mentioned you're teaching special ed. Now, did you set out to do teaching in special ed? How did you get into this career? 
Yeah, that's a good question. You know, people ask me that. No, I, I didn't. Um, you know, I didn't. I had, uh, I was kind of a had a little bit of a rocky uh, school life in terms of my behavior and being a little bit of a delinquent and messing around okay. too much in high school. So yeah, like think, thinking of education probably wasn't even in my path. You know, I, I kind of went down this exercise science type route. Uh, thought I wanted to be a physical therapist or some kind of train athletic trainer kind of thing, and then I kind of pivoted. Um, just kind of fought, fell into this internship that worked with people with disabilities at this rec center. And it was pretty cool and kind of stuck with that. Did a lot of special Olympics work, uh, a lot of recreational programs for people with disabilities. And then, um, you know, and then the schedule is all wonky, you know, so then I, somebody was like, Hey, look at this, uh, paraeducator job. And I was like, okay. And then it kind of evolved to, you know, the teacher there was like, Hey, you should, you know, try to go back to school and do a, do this teaching thing and i was like okay how so long just ago kinda, was that um this is i, I counted last week uh this is my seventh year uh teaching so wow. it, you know i didn't take like a normal path it kind of bounced around to different things and then somebody was like hey check this out i think it'd be a good fit and here i am so well there you go nice i like it yeah. i like it a lot that's cool um you know it's i have a really good friend who is whose son is on the scale and you know he you know they're Yes, he's in a program within a public school in high school, but, you know, and I know you're dealing with more post high school, uh, but you learn a lot about because unless you're usually involved in it one way or another, you don't realize some of these programs exist, let alone uh, like the the, post high school programs that exist, too. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, it's. It's, you know, just like fantasy stuff. It's like, I think there's an art and science to anything we do, right? The, the, yeah, know, there's, of course. This, there's the data science-based stuff. And then there's the the stuff that goes by feel and, you know, you, you know, kind of the, just the gut feel of like what feels right and, you know, kind of doing what's best and that kind of thing. So just, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely challenging, but it's also, you know, it's, it's fun and rewarding at the same time. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And then trying to find that balance in life to do this, do your writing, uh, and all that it, it's I, I can see the challenge there uh, you know I you know I have you know kids my kids aren't that young anymore they're teenagers so it's a little bit of a different challenge but still trying to be able to fit all that in is the, the really tricky part there do you have kids yet I do have one uh, she just turned four uh, oh. a couple weeks ago so, nice yeah. nice yeah. yeah starting to do stuff now yeah yeah a lot of a lot of you know has her own mind has her own you know you know you know just like Oh, I joke that sometimes she's like a teenager at four years old. Sure. <laughs> she's got her own personality at this point. Exactly. Exactly. And just wait till she starts doing more activities and school starts. It's it's going to be a wild ride, but it's all good. It's, uh, every, every year gets better is the way I like to say. Uh, we're going to talk some news items, but first, a uh, quick note from our sponsors at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with the user-friendly interface, Moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette. Double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Roto-Wire's fantasy podcasts. 
I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Corbin Young. You can follow Corbin on Twitter at Corbin underscore Young 21. Uh, Corbin, it's not very busy right now, news-wise. Obviously, the, the labor negotiations are taking headlines. The owner's lockout is, is really running over everything. But there is there has been some trickle out of news this week. Uh, one major leaguer, Lance McCullers, is one that we got a little bit of a health update on him. Said it, he's uh, behind on his expected rehab uh, timeline. Not sure if he'll be ready for opening day, if we have an opening day uh, on time. Just according to Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle, you know, the way that kind of came out during the playoffs last year with his forearm strain, you know, it, it was one of those that it was kind of brushed off as not that serious at first. And it seems like it's got, it just got worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of looking at that too. In the, the Rotary news page, it's like, yeah, uncertain or like he's not going to pitch, you know, he, he might pitch soon and it's kind of like, you know, kind of a little uh, confusing there, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, we always get a little concerned when a, a pitcher that has a forearm injury, um, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of a little bit and, you know, obviously different injuries, but it kind of reminded me of last year when Framber Valdez like fractured his finger and we're like, oh, oh yeah. no, he's never going to pitch in 2022 or 2021. And then he put up a career high, you know, in innings and a decent three, one, four year, you know, not, not to say that Lance McCullers is going to do that, but I think going back to our conversation earlier, like, probably depends on league format right it kind of depends on league format like you know uh it's probably smart to maybe avoid or wait you know if he falls in 15 team leagues but you know if he falls and you're willing to take on that risk like you know do it i mean not like his adp is like super high anyway right it's like i think like 175 or something right um you know obviously if you have an il spot or multiple you know you kind of could take on that risk uh you know smaller leagues 10 12 team leagues sure you know it's, it's easy to kind of replace that um, you know, regardless, I mean, he's been a pretty printing basis. Like he's been a pretty quality pitcher. Right. So it's like, even if you kind of stashed him, like, you know, I mean, granted he's kind of been all over the board, but he's never really been bad. Right. Like right. he's never really been a bad pitcher. I mean, he has, he peaked last year at over 162 innings, but other than that, like, I mean, he's, he's been pretty good printing basis. So, I mean, it kind of depends on, you know, what's going on there, you know, how long are you willing to stash, you know? kind of that stuff but uh, right. i mean he's a reasonable I'm, I'm interested but maybe not so much with the injury yeah uh I, i'm not gonna pair him with some other injured if i have if i took another injury risk earlier say if i take chris sale i'm probably not gonna uh, add mccullers later on i'm gonna probably look elsewhere although at that price you have performance risk along with health risk so you know you, there, there's just a good a chance that one of these guys could bust anyhow Right. Yeah. It's like a reasonable, you know, I mean, like I probably wouldn't take Clayton Kershaw going around there, you know, but like Sonny Gray, you know, there's like, yeah, there's some, everybody's got question marks in this range, you know? Right. So it's like, uh, it's, it's interesting. We'll have to kind of monitor the news. Um, but yeah. It's funny that you brought up Framber because I remember TGFBI, he went right before the injury, if I recall correctly, or was he, or was it the, is that exactly the opposite? And it was like, it was forever. Yeah, I was like right around then. And then I think Justin Mason took him like with one of the last. Like he was just sitting on the top of the queue. <laughs> yep. Everybody just kept looking at him. But yeah, that's right. Justin, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Justin Mason took him like in one of the last rounds. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's smart. Like, you know, hook him. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else said this here. But. You know, in fact, I know you're right now. Now I think about it. It was other leagues that were ahead of us. And I was complaining about that. But then we dodged that bullet. Or so we thought. And it turns out that, no, that was a profitable pick anyhow. So it's, it's kind of funny. 
Uh, a guy that won't be a profitable pick this year, unfortunately, is Josh Young. Uh, he is going to be out six to eight months after having arthroscopic uh, surgery on his shoulder. You know, third base is kind of tough. It's not tough to find guys if you wait on third base. This is one of the guys that you might have taken a chance on, hoping that he'd get the early call up. Now, he's basically crossed off the list. Are, are you interested in Isaiah Kiner-Falefa or anybody else that resu- gets the resulting playing time in Texas? Uh, I was last year. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was last year. Um, you know, it's the profile is not super exciting or anything, right? It's just kind of like he could steal bases and he's, you know, I, I don't know if he's multi-position a little bit this year, but at least he was last year, right? So it's like, you know, he can play a couple of spots. Um, so, I mean, it kind of depends. Like, I think he's going, what did it, he was going like past 350 or something, kind of for level. I mean, I'm yeah. interested, but it's not like, yeah, it's, he's probably going to be a guy that's probably going to go off my roster, right, at some point. Right. Um, you know, serviceable batting average, uh, but steals. But I think it's, roster resource has him at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, I know it's a little top heavy, right? Like, it's like Marcus sure. Simeon, Corey Seager, Adelise Garcia, and the Nathaniel Lowe, like it's pretty top heavy. I mean, it's probably going to be a poor lineup, but I mean, I'm, I'm interested if I'm looking for some like late steals, um, but it's not. Yeah. Other than that, conic stats aren't going to be like amazing or anything. So I agreed. He's only shortstop eligible now, but you presume he's going to get third eventually, at least according to the, like the NFBC TGFBI and that sort mm-hmm. of format where you need 20 games. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I think he's a late steals option, um, but if he gets pushed up into, say, the top 20 rounds in a 15-teamer, I'm probably not there for that. I need him to go after pick 300. I've seen some drafts where he's going like two, 250, 260. Um, if, and most, I bet you most of those are in the recent week or so, You know, because we got the initial news on Young last week that it wasn't looking good, and then we got confirmation this week that it was really bad. Uh, so I, I, I have a feeling that there's a capped upside to counter Falefa and they might not, they might even bring somebody else in still too. Once the lockout ends. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, even like, I didn't realize how many plate appearances he had last year, actually kind of Falefa, but yeah, if, yeah. if that's like the peak season, then you're like, ah, uh, you know, it, it's, it's serviceable, you know, it's helpful, but it's not like somebody that you're going to be relying on probably consistently. So we referred to the lockout a few times, you know, we could talk about Corbin Carroll. I was just like, you know, like, eh, we, we don't really need to talk about it. It's not really actionable in a non-prospect league. But what are you doing right now um, with just the lack of player news? Are you spending more time prepping for your leagues? Are you kind of de- doing deeper dives on players? Or are you just kind of enjoying the time off? How are you handling this? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot more deeper dives. Uh, just, I don't know, that's kind of... I mean, the fun part of, or maybe not so fun part of fantasy baseball is there's so many players. Yeah. So it's like the player pool is massive. Whereas like football, it's like you get past like maybe 50 wide receivers and you kind of had a rough idea of like which ones yeah. you want on your roster. For sure. Um, if you can't find something to write about in fantasy baseball, you're just really not trying. Yeah. So there's so many players. Like, I mean, I just, um, you know, sometimes I'll do stuff where I'm just like scrolling through some ADP and I'll be like, Oh, that, that name sounds interesting. And just kind of look into them or, or you remember like some player being really, really bad. And you're like, all right, what happened here? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit of that, um, uh, a lot of deep dives, uh, a little bit of draft prep, but not a ton. Um, I think TJFBI might be my first like redraft league that I'll be doing. Like I said, I'm not super, I'm not, I don't play like 20 Right. or something like that it just kind of keep it uh pretty low but um yeah corbin the only thing i want to know to corbin carroll was that 
I did just acquire him in a dynasty league. Okay. Right? And I know James is pretty high on him. Um, but yeah, I've been kind of interested in, I think he's a perfect buy low target, you know, coming off the shoulder surgery, uh, last year. Um, if he can be patient at least right with, with shoulder injuries, if, if Cody Bellinger and Eugenio Suarez has taught me anything <laughs> with a shoulder injury, it's going to take some time. I think that's a really um, good comp, really good comparison. And with Corbin Carroll, he has been fully clear for the start of spring training. Uh, so that's good. Um, and the thing is in a dynasty league, you have that time. You know, it, it, you don't ha- have that redraft urgency. Like, I spent a premium here. I need to. I need them to produce right now. Whereas in a dynasty, if you if you're buying into the overall possibility, I think that's not maybe not a bad window to go get them then. Yeah, and I think I think James has some like you know ninth overall prospect, top 100 dynasty player. Like even if it's you know you kind of take that Ian Con approach where you flip them, you know, later on once the steam starts picking up, kind of thing, right? Like that's uh, so I don't know. That's kind of, that I just wanted to note that with that news popping out, I was like, oh okay, maybe there's some positive news that makes me feel validated for <laughs> buying low and acquiring him. There no, you go. Yeah. Corbin Carroll is now a member of uh, Corbin Young's team. So there you go. Uh, you mentioned doing deep dives. So say you find a player you're interested in. What's the first thing you do? How do you go about doing your deep dive? What's where's the First thing you look at, well, say it's a pitcher. Um, yeah, so that's a good question. I, I, I usually, I mean, obviously use fan graphs, uh, baseball savant usually are kind of my two go-tos. I kind of mm-hmm. joke that I live on there a little bit. Um, you know, sure. Occasionally I'll dabble with uh, Brooks baseball, uh, depending on what I'm looking for, but usually those two combine uh, fan graphs and baseball savant have kind of what I'm looking for. Um, you know, I usually just start with the surface stuff. I'll look at ERA. I'll look at, uh, whip uh look at you know babip uh you know just kind of like like i've i was looking at griffin canning the last night you know just kind of okay. looking at like um you know what's the babip look like what's the strand rate look like uh if, if anything's outrageous there um you know look at the home run rate um k minus bb rate you know just kind of look at stuff see how they're comparing to some of the averages for that player um see if anything's a little outlandish try to find reasons to explain some of that um, you know, whether it's just like, you know, too many fly balls or whatever, or I was looking at Dylan Bundy, right? Like f- four seamer just getting crushed or something like that. Right. So those kind of things. Um, and then I'll dig d- deeper into uh, like pitch by pitch data, um, you know, probably look at the arsenal um, like Griffin Canning. I was, I was talking to someone on Twitter that day, just like looking at it and just like, you know, this, we know he's been injured, but like the stuff's really good. Yeah. Like just in terms of like movement profile, uh, got above average movement um, on like three different pitches, you know, that kind of thing. So if those kind of things pop, then I'm interested uh, or swing strike rate, usually Wobo again. So again, I try to look at like if I can like career averages and just kind of see like outlier or uh, Patrick Corbin's another example. Like I was looking at Patrick Corbin the other day. It's like he was just awful. And I, and I had him on a couple of teams and, you know, he destroyed, <laughs> destroyed yes, he, my ratios. Yeah. But just looking at it, you know, like slider was real bad last year. Um, you know, it, you know, for, in some ways it could be like, you know, you're completely out because the slider just isn't as good as it was, or maybe it's going to regress just a tiny bit closer to where it was before. Um, so usually a combination of that. Um, when I really, really go deep, <laughs> I look at a baseball savant has this thing down towards the bottom of each page. It's called swing take leaderboards. Okay. So I'll look at kind of like, have they thrived like in the heart of the zone, the shadow area, um, that kind of thing. Um, so like Tariq Scooball was a guy that I, I looked at a while back um, as a guy that, 
like he, he's he was like really awful in the heart of the zone but he was like pretty good in the chase area of the zone um so you know i looked at kind of the leaders in in that chase area of the zone or the shadow area of the zone and if you look at the leaders in that uh, i can't remember the exact stats i had but if you look at some of the leaders in negative run value in the shadow area of the zone okay the only pitchers that had a positive I'm pulling up around the only pitchers that had a positive run valley so bad run valley in the heart of the zone were frankie montas and Tariq scubal in the top 25 of the shadow area so interesting the rest of them all you know perform decently in the heart of the zone so again it's just i don't know what to take away from that but to me that's made me think well scuba got crushed you know with whatever the fastball command or just like the stuff in the zone right so maybe that'll you know improve a little bit right or maybe he'll look at some of that data and be like okay i have to make adjustment here right giving 22 home runs on your four seamer is an idea to re right that kind of thing so i try to look all over you know try not to just get stuck on uh one one or two or five metrics like all this stuff is a piece of the puzzle you know um you know, just kind of doing painting right. the picture. So do you, is there like any particular profile or stat that you will use to eliminate a player? Like, do you, do you, are you the type of player that like crosses some guys off your list that you just won't use them or how, how, how do you approach it? Is there any like negative or positive stat that you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm sold on this one way or another. Um, yes and no. Like I used to be someone that was like, I really, really want this person that has really good control and command. Or if they like really have a low walk rate, like I used to really love Jose or Kitty, but, um, because he just like limits walks, like, you know, just yes, super, super low walk rate. But then I've kind of, kind of transitioned to the other side of like, some like three scuba, right? This stuff is really good. I think this stuff is really good. And so, more often than not, I, I kind of been leaning more towards like if the stuff is really good and he just kind of makes like a tweak, like a you know, Robbie Ray showed us this, right? Like if you just like right. if your stuff is really good and you just pound the zone with it and you say, All right, see if you can hit it, <laughs> then there's a chance that you know we kind of see a career like season or or some improvements. Um, so I've been leaning more with the stuff. So if somebody's got like really good movement, um, and the results are really good. You know, or there's like, you know, the stuff's really good. I'm, I'm probably going to lean towards that a little. Funny you mentioned Scooball. I just drafted him on a Tuesday night in the mixed labor draft. And, you know, he got really hit bat hard on the fastball. That's where almost all of it, I think it was the four seamer where he gave up most of his homers. And, you know, late in the season, they kind of tried to work on changing his pitch mix a little bit. And now they brought in Tucker Barnhart to call pitches for him and frame better. They signed Javi Baez, who presumably is going to really improve that defense. They didn't really have a shortstop to speak of last year. I'm kind of bullish on him. And I came into draft season thinking I was bearish on him, and I've kind of really pivoted and done a 180 and now want him in a lot of my leagues. No, I heard I heard you say that. And, no, the Tucker Barnhart thing is something also, you know, uh, granted it's maybe not, like, you know, easy to prove. But, yeah, no, I think there's something to that, right, in terms of the, yep. the defensive catching and the framing and that kind of thing. And so I think there's something to that. Uh, and somebody else mentioned that to me, but another buddy was like, yeah, Tucker Barnhart. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, so that's, I think that's something yeah, to, to look at too. You know, yeah. I think you're spot on. If, uh, if we, when we do get spring training, summer training, fall training, whenever it is, uh, and you hear Patrick Corbin did a small tweak to his, sh- uh, his slider. And all of a sudden I've got it to where I used to be. 
is that the sort of news thing that's going to like make your ears perk up and like, oh, I possibly have a bargain here? Um, I know people kind of make fun of that, but yes and no, right? So like, yeah. I think um, I, I did this a little last year, although I had zero Vladimir Guerrero Jr., right? But if if we look at just like the skills and the profile and granted, I'm a little biased because I do love like working out and fitness and somebody says best shape of their life and we go, okay, well, like, yeah, that person could could have benefited from improving their you know their fitness level um or you know so so yes i i think I, i'm not gonna like that's not gonna be like automatically like you know <laughs> he's right. gonna be on my must draft list but yeah i think uh you know or things like jameson tyone if there's you know last year i was buying into like shortening the arm circle or you know those kind of things like right. granted we want some action or some positive results but uh if there's something actionable that you know might be positive yeah i'm gonna you know latch on to that a little bit i you know what i do too and i used to make fun of it more than i did in the past and you can you can still find counter examples like a winnie suarez was supposedly in phenomenal shape hitting in the spring training so that he could play shortstop um and yeah that didn't work out very well uh the whole playing shortstop or the hitting part but uh unfortunately uh but yeah but i think there is something to that i think there really is and i i i, I want to pay more attention to it you had to mention Vlad too, TGFBI. I, I, I me and Toby can. I, I didn't do the the shame tour like Toby uh, did. Batflip crazy did on every time Vlad homered, but I felt it every time. Fifth round, I had a chance at Vlad at five two, and I took Luke Boyd instead. So I, I still think I could have had a really good chance of winning that league if I go just that one difference, uh, which you think is like a fifty fifty call. It's not really a fifty fifty call. Yeah, yeah, no, and then now he's a first-round pick, but then people are arguing, you know, we shouldn't draft as a first-round pick. But no, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think it's just again, you know, it's a piece of the puzzle, right? Like it depends how much you, um, you know, like that kind of thing, right? Like I, I, I kind of jokingly, um, every once in a while, I'll tag Rob Silver in in a Mitch Keller post because I, I tweeted a few, probably a month or so back, that before kind of the hype video surface, I. I was like into Mitch Keller because I was like, you can't be this bad. Like he's just been awful, right? right. Like the Babbitt's awful, Shran rate's awful. Uh, he doesn't give up a ton of home runs, but like every pitch is awful. And I'm like, okay, well, if every pitch is awful, like you know, at this point something has to change. And I, I don't, I, you know, again, it's just like a, a blind guess, but it's like, well, um, if he was a top prospect, can't just fall this bad, right? So, and so I was just like, you know, he and he was jokingly like he was like, well what is he going to change in his pitch mix? And I'm like, I don't know. Every pitch isn't that great, but, yeah. but I just, you know, it's just got that kind of thing. And then you see the hype videos and now it's like, well, and now that just got me more interested in the Mitch Keller um, in one of, I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of those, but in one of the videos, the Tread athletics um, uh, video, the, one of the coaches or one of the guys that runs the, um, the facility was kind of comparing his stuff to like Garrett Cole stuff in terms of like movement, velocity, and a bunch of stuff. No, not to say Mitch Keller is going to be Garrett Cole, but it's just those kind of things that like, you know, it's not just he's throwing hard, right? Like they're also analyzing the data. They're looking at it from the, uh, the different, you know, uh, you know, analysis perspectives and they're kind of, you know, you know, trying to help them fine tune some things. So, right. That, those are the things I latch on to, you know, so. Sure. Are you willing to give uh, some organizations more credit than others or hold some organizations against each other? I guess like Keller is a good example because so many pirates, ex-pirates have gone on to do better things elsewhere. 
now they have a new regime in, so it might be different. But uh, I mean, they, they really had a hard time developing. No, absolutely. I think there's something to that. I mean, I think there's something to like, you know, why some of the the Dodgers pitchers thrive, you know, uh, right. Giants pitchers thrive. Like there's something to that, you know, the, the Reds at some point when they had a lot of the driveline guys in there, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you right. know, I don't know every single organization, but yeah, I think there's something to that. You know, there's something to just like, you know, again, we're cherry picking, but we're like, oh, look at this picture that, you know, it's so-and-so developed. But right. I mean, I think there's probably something to that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know every kind of, you know, pros and cons, but yeah, I think, you know, pirates are one where you're like, yeah, most times if a pirates player goes somewhere else, they're going to be better or something, but, but yeah, that could, that could be changing that could be evolving, you know, behind the scenes that we don't know about. Yeah. And there's so many more data points at our fingertips than there used to be. Uh, it's just even more to absorb, but I mean, it's also, it can be explanatory at times. It's just. You have to have even a wider strainer, though, is the tough part there. And, you know, try, and an interpreter almost just to try to figure a lot of this out. Um, it's great. It's great. I mean, I remember when just looking at OBP was like a, a cutting edge sort of thing. And now we're, you know, two different generations past that, if not three. Yeah, that's that's true. There's a lot of like the pitching stuff that I'm barely grasping on, but I'm trying to right, <laughs> like right vertical approach angle and all this other stuff. And it's like, all right, hold on, on. I'm just getting a grasp. On <laughs> I know what's exactly. on what's on the player pages. So yeah, and uh, that that's hey, good good that there's all this awesome innovation. Just man, I have to work even harder. Um, and that that's the tricky part there. Uh, we're talking with Corbin Young. A quick note here from our friends at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10.00 and receive 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks to Thrive. Thanks also to our uh, our friends at the Blue Wire Network. Uh, we do appreciate hosting the podcast there. Uh, I'm talking with Corbin Young. You can read uh, his Garrett Cooper outlook will be up on Rotowire shortly. I saw that tweet, uh, among others. Uh, you know, you know you're, and that's the thing. You, those player profiles that you see on Rotowire, I mean, they're, you know, baseball is awesome, but it's also insane that there's just such a wide universe of players to kind of cover. And, you know, Corbin's going to help us uh, share what's uh, looking forward to the outlook. I always like the outlooks too, because they're evergreen. There's something you can look at. Now you can something you can look at, you know, three months from now when you're getting a trade offer or you know, when it's a prospect when they're getting called up. I kind of like the format there. It gives you, you know, you're not going to get all the latest news and all like the playing time, but you are going to get a, ba- a good idea of the player's base skills. Yeah, I definitely know when uh, when Clay kind of sent a list of players over. It was kind of fun because most of them I hadn't really dug into, you know, in a long time or if at all. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of forces you to be succinct in terms of just like, you know, the outlook. And no, I I, I agree. I use a lot of um, uh, although I play Dynasty Leagues, I, you know, prospect thing is a whole nother world. So it's like, yeah, anytime, you know, there's something on the prospect list if james i'm assuming james was most of them on there i kind of you know always look in there and like okay right. what do i need to know about this player that i have no clue about you know so yeah no exactly. i think it's definitely helpful yeah uh and i love doing it and you, you know we don't do the magazine anymore but you know that was one of the the backbones of the magazine so uh, this is the first year we're not doing the magazine it's definitely one of those end of era times you know chris list just left the company uh you know, we had our last show today on Sirius XM. Uh, we, we're not doing the magazine. There's just a lot of changes, but change is good. It's okay. Uh, we learn a lot uh, in, the, in the process there. I wanted to get you to weigh in on a couple of the 2022 early draft issues. You alluded to one of them, Vlad Guerrero. Uh, and obviously the debate is, can you take a guy with no speed in the first round, you know, a guy with no stolen bases in the first round? Where do you weigh in on that? So in, in a, I did a mock 
draft and I took Vlad at like seven or eight, but but it was a twelve team mock. So I think in a twelve team league, like I'll I'll gladly take someone like Vlad, you know, in the first round. Um, but after that, yeah, you just have to be a little careful. Again, depending on format, right? Like if it's like right. heavy categories, I don't I don't care if I don't have like X amount of steals, I'll figure that out, right? Or sure, or I can win a week with two steals or something, you know, kind of depends. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if it's like a roto style, you know, deeper league, yeah, I think you just have to be a little careful about who you kind of pair there. But I mean, it's I, to me, it's a little bit, it's no different from taking like uh, Freddie Freeman or, you know, like in, in kind of the past years, like in kind of that first round. Or I mean, even, I mean, Bryce Harper is going to give you more, but they kind of have a similar profile where they're going to be like four, four categories for me, four and a half, right? Or a little bit um so i mean i think you just build around it um yep i mean one soto gives you more steals i would guess you know but again same kind of profile where they're gonna just like crush you know home runs uh maybe give you a solid batting average that kind of thing but right i think there's a way to build around it um absolutely just, yeah so yeah and the thing is it used to be the nolan arenado problem you know even mike trout last year you kind of that came up too um uh, you're right. I think league size is a big part of that there. It's much easier to get around in a 12 than in a 15. Uh, my first you know, draft drafts were NFBC 50s, the 12 teamers. Uh, and yeah, I, I did one build with Vlad and I was like, frequent, I, you know, it, it forced me to constantly think about stolen bases later on instead of, okay, I'll get Tommy Edmund. I got Tommy Edmund and Miles Straw. Yay me. Uh, but you know, then you have to worry about finding other, other power or other sources of, you know, you know, you have to worry about what are the trade-offs there are. That's the one thing is when you don't get your stolen bases in the first round, then you're, and you're not getting an ACE, you still have to get those. Maybe it means you wait on closer. Maybe it means you wait on something else. Uh, and that's just the trade-off. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, and you put out that nice article about like the certain targets and yeah. kind of stolen bases have trended down. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of a balance of like, yeah, the market, you know, it's trending down for the targets for like the 80th percentile. But then, you know, you also look at the ADP market and yeah, almost yeah. every, almost, almost every person that could get you 20 plus stolen bases that isn't Miles Straw or Nikki Lopez is like all pushed up in like the first hundred picks or so. So that's right. We're doing TGFBI starting next week. And that's uh, going to be a lot of fun. I'm not in the same league as you this year. Uh, what are you doing to get ready for TGFBI? Is there anything special that you're doing for that? Um, no, not really. Like, <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty new overall. So right, so I'm kind of still trying to fine tune strategy wise, uh, like what I'm trying to do. Like I mentioned, I I've done a lot of kind of deep dives on players and just trying to look into different skills. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I look at players that I was like completely wrong about or players like weren't even on my radar to just like yeah. be like, what did I, you know, what was I overlooking here? Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go from there. Um, I usually use some sort of draft software, like the Rotor one, or just like some way to track. Slow drafts are a little easier, right, to track fast. It's like, For oh sure. my gosh, like players are players are flying off the board and you're trying to make sure that you also, you know, don't, don't miss your pick. Uh, but slow drafts are a little easier. I can just maybe pull a spreadsheet up or something. For sure. Like, you know, process some players or whatever. Um, usually just some combination of some kind of, um, you know, auction values or something like that. Usually is kind of the way I might kind of rank some players just to see what it looks like. And then I'll kind of move some players around and go from there. Um, I don't usually run from like straight rankings or anything. Um, 
because you, every draft's different and kind of just have to adjust. And I usually try to, uh, you know, look at each round, kind of bucket players in and be like, okay, who's who's here in this round or what can I do in this round? And then, yeah, I think it's just trying to manage your team, right? Not worrying about making sure you get X player on your team, but trying to manage like, you know, right. what your team needs or or how you can, you know, make your team better, so. I'm so glad that I did a couple of slow drafts before I did labor on Tuesday. You know, when you have a minute clock, I, I, at least I had a feel of the player pool, knew where guys were generally going. And obviously, you know, it's going to be some things that change. In fact, I'm, I'm thankful when I play in a, a, a different pool of people, cause I'm not always looking at the same ADP. It's, it's actually pre- preferable in a way. Uh, but um, I, it, I really like that aspect of it. there, being able to adjust on the fly on that. Uh I was, was going to ask you something else about TGFBI. Um, so do you have a preferred spot where you want to draft from? Um, not, not really. Um, I think I used to like the turns. Like I used to like kind of the one, two or the late first round. Um, I'm kind of leaning more to the middle ish. Like, so I kind of prefer to the middle. Okay. Um, just so, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it just kind of preference. Um, you know, and just kind of where I like being. So probably in that five to 10 range or, you know, up to maybe as, as deep as like pick 12 out of 15 or something. So do you know when we get uh, our draft slots? I know we have our um, teams, I, but I don't think. Yeah, I don't. But I, I know you can go in and put in the KDS. You still set already. your KDS. Yeah. yeah um, I, I haven't set it. But then again, I, I might just go one through 15. I don't know. I, I don't want to be in the back. I've been at the back in a couple of my 15 teamers. I'd rather get up towards the front. I usually like being in the middle though. I don't mind like six, seven, eight is really where I is in a nice little sweet spot there. I feel like I'm not getting penalized too much in the first round. And I, and I like not being stuck on a back end of a run. I don't want to have to reach for something. Right. I think that's what I've realized too, is like, if yeah. you're on the ends, you see all of these players going in between and it's so many picks and you're like, oh my gosh. And then you get to you and you're like, oh, well, <laughs> 10 of the players that I wanted are all gone. Now. Right. So, right. It's like, no. So yeah. Uh, at the end, if you're like in the two or three spot, at least you've got uh, where you can, you can just pay attention to who's in one and two and see what they're doing. And okay, well, he already has two closers. I'll wait till the comeback to get my closer. Then they then the guy takes the third one. And you're like ah, but you know that that's also happened too. But when you try to be right. too smart for your own good, but uh, it is uh, it, it's fun to figuring out all the dynamics of that. Is that what's your favorite format to play? Is it still the head to heads, or are you are you kind of growing to like uh, the 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 snake draft of the or in the in the categories? Um, yeah, I don't mind. Uh, you know, with with this nature of just doing some of the writing where you add on leagues. So I've kind of leaned more towards like a weekly format. If I can, I play in a few daily. Um, like there's a, there's a 30 team dynasty league that I play in with a bunch of like writers and stuff. And that one's daily just because, you know, there's so many, the player pool is pretty deep there. Um, so probably more Roto style. Just um, at first I didn't like Roto style because I felt it was like boring to see the just the stats accumulate and you never like played right. against anybody. Um, but I've kind of gotten used to it. Uh, I do prefer OBP formats. Uh, okay. I, I don't know. I just I just feel like that's an easier skill for me to identify is like, you know, looking their walk rates or looking at their OBPs. Um, 
you know, I don't know, just kind of a preference. But the problem I've realized with that, at least last year, is that a lot of OBP profiles don't steal or, or you know, like the riskier right. ones. So then I'm like, well, I'm stuck with <laughs> stuck with Kyle Schwarber and a bunch of these players. A lot of like, old and slow guys. <laughs> yeah. The, the that, proverbial clogging up the bases, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, I just need to make sure that I pay attention. Um, so I, I do a mix of both. I st- like I said, I still have that home league where it's like head to head, you know, daily moves, right? Um, or roto weekly sow. So exactly. So got a couple of uh, things before we sign off. A uh, user question here in the chat room. Um, a lot of job battles unsettled as we don't even have spring training yet. Jeff Whitley asks, Red Sox, Matt Barnes, Garrett Whitlock. Who do you think will close? Who do you got? Um, I think Matt Barnes will bounce back. Um, okay. There's some there's some positive uh, gains there. I think Willock's going to be a good reliever, but I don't know if he'll take on that close role. I mean, they might even add somebody, right? So yeah, um, I think yeah, Willock's interesting. I think yeah, Willock's definitely interesting. Um, I'd like to see a little more of that, but again, I might be way off, and he might get it out of the out of the gate there, uh, but. You know, again, just looking at raw stuff, like both of those guys have pretty, pretty good raw stuff. Um, so I, you're probably not, you're probably fine either way. I haven't paid attention to Whitlock too much, though, but yeah, I like Whitlock's skills a lot. Um, he has the advantage of not having fallen apart a little bit last year, but seems like Barnes was getting it back in September, too. So even though he's left off the playoff roster, I don't know. I seem like they had some positive things going forward from maybe that's my recollection telling me that, not, uh, you know, so we'll see, but. Uh, that that's one job I'll definitely be watching here. Uh, got one Twitter question, uh, more of a general question. Anthony asks, "What's your favorite late pitcher so far this draft season?" Um, I have a lot. <laughs> uh, Jason Collette and I share some love for Jesus Lazardo. Okay. Um, uh, Mitch Keller is one. Again, I, I was interested before the hype videos, but like we talked about earlier, now the hype video just boosted that interest even more. Um, Josiah Gray, although he might not be going as late anymore. Right. Um, and uh, Griffin Canning a little bit if he can stay healthy. This stuff right. is good. Uh, the price pitch. is right, too. You'll get him for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, in terms of drafting, I'm not going to draft Griffin Canning, but Lizardo, Mitch Keller, Josiah Gray, even Luis Patino, I'm, I'm into. I like Patino. I yeah. got him the other night. Um, I like all Rays pitchers, basically. Uh, even Klubot. Yeah. Even Klubot. I mean, I think I'd uh, take the chance on him. I don't know if he'll get to five innings that often, but Maybe I'll give him an opener too. No, no, I, I think uh, I, th- I think I might have written written up the Kluber out. Look, if I didn't, um, yeah, I, I'm 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 I think Kluber will bounce back. I, I'm I'm with you there. All right. One final question in the chat room. Paulie asks, as an analyst, do you feel pressured by your peers to play in quote unquote deep leagues, or is it natural since you've done so much research on so many players? Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess. 15 team probably at least in my opinion probably qualifies as deep you know um i mean what 450 players rostered like that's pretty that's quite a bit um i think the i mean maybe pressured i mean it's kind of one of those things where you know i mean you know how this goes it's like if the standard is 15 team or whatever the rule size or the league size is you know if i if i decided to play it i'm gonna play it right i'll kind of adjust my my strategy or my knowledge with that. Um, but there's so many good resources out there. Like if I don't know a player, I, you know, I, I look them up with, you know, other resources and do my own research or somebody else mentioned somebody that I hadn't even thought about, you know, you write them down and you, you, yeah. know, you look at them later if you get a chance. So 
Exactly. I prefer, I mean, I don't know about prefer, but I enjoy playing deep leagues, but because I geek out, I love this in the first place. I love diving in on uh, players and trying to find a little, you know, I like knowing that this guy who might not have a full-time starting job, might be a platooner to start, could turn into something better. I want to be able to profit off of that. So I I actually like those leagues. Um, I like the variance. I play in a ton of leagues and I, it's like trying to choose among my children. Don't want to have to pick a favorite. I like them all, but uh, no, yeah, I, I, I think there's something to do that. Yeah, the deep league player part, right? It's like you yeah. you find this player that is kind of like underrated or something, and then helps yeah, you out. no, there's something Absolutely. to do that. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, thanks for the questions, everybody. Uh, Corbin, thank you for coming on board, and thank you for joining Rotowire. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm, I was like I said, I'm pumped to be joining Rotowire here. Thank you for having me on, and uh, glad to be talking with you guys. Awesome. Glad that should be uh, looking forward to a lot more. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. I want to thank WinBet for their sponsorship. We got Clay and Todd tomorrow on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Please like, rate, and review the podcast. It does mean a ton to us. We don't just say it, it does mean a lot to us, uh, especially, and if you can subscribe to it, all the better. Uh, we do really, really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com